you know, a couple of years ago, I heard about this really great book called What Saints Never Said, written by the Catholic apologist Trent Horn, which basically documents all sorts of different quotes and sayings which have been wrongly attributed to different saints in our Catholic tradition. And one quote which is cited in that particular book basically goes like this. Preach at all times, and if necessary, use words. So again, preach at all times, and if necessary, use words. And that particular quote is often wrongly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Now, right away, even if you haven't read that particular book, you can pretty much guess that that quote is wrongly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, if only because the Franciscan order is a preaching order. So just kind of think it through, right? You know, on top of that, and kind of more to the point, I think a lot of people use that quote as an excuse when it comes to evangelization, in the sense of telling themselves, well, look, because St. Francis apparently said, preach at all times and if necessary use words, I don't really need to speak on behalf of the gospel. Whereas in reality, I think the whole idea is that we're called to preach primarily through our sense of witness, as opposed to simply through our words, even though obviously on top of that, we're called to use our words to spread the good news of the gospel. And of course, that's precisely what you see in the context of the gospel, right? And so think, for example, of the gospel of John chapter 13, the Lord gives his disciples a new commandment, love others as I have loved you. And then on top of that, what he says is that basically the world shall know that you are my disciples based on the love that you have for one another. And so yet again, we find this invitation and indeed exhortation to evangelize the whole world, not primarily through our words, but rather through the quality of our love. People, again, shall know you are my disciples based on the love that you have for one another. And so at the end of the day, it's not so much a question of one versus the other. It's not so much a question of actions versus words, but rather it's an invitation to live a life of integration, to make sure that what I say is backed up by how I actually live. Okay, so given all that, I want to spend the rest of this reflection citing key characteristics of the Christian love that Jesus is talking about here. The type of love which is meant ultimately to bring the world back to the Christian thing. So the first thing that comes to mind is sort of like two things in one, right? So the idea is basically this. Christian love is meant to be intentional because it is primarily meant to be sacrificial. And so right off the bat, hopefully it goes out saying that primarily Christian love by its very nature is meant to be sacrificial, right? Because of course, Christ says again, love others as I have loved you. And how did Christ love us? He loved by dying to himself so that we might live. And it makes sense, of course, that this would be compelling, right? Whenever we die to ourselves or otherwise make time and space for the other, people notice and they're therefore drawn back to the Christian thing through the power of our witness. But more to the point, because Christian love is primarily sacrificial, it must necessarily be on top of that very intentional. And so the example that comes to mind is this really great book by Matthew Kelly called Rediscover Catholicism, in which he talks about in the kind of opening chapters, various philosophies which are predominant in terms of modern society. And so for example, he talks about minimalism, this desire to maximize reward with minimum efforts. And he also talks about this thing called hedonism, this desire to maximize pleasure and minimize pain. And the whole idea here is that when it comes to living our lives on a day-to-day -day basis, it's really easy for all of us without exception to fall back to living our lives according to base instincts, whether we're talking about a desire for convenience or on a more basic level, a desire to simply avoid pain. And of course, that's why we need to regularly and habitually bring to the table this sense of purpose and intention, purposefully intentionally living this life of nobility, holiness, and Christianity, as opposed to simply falling back into, again, a life of convenience or simply the avoidance of pain. Okay, so the next thing that comes to mind when it comes to various qualities of Christian love is that Christian love is meant by its very nature to be very specific and concrete, as opposed to simply theoretical. 
And so the example that comes to mind is this fictional work by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters, in the context of which there's basically a series of letters written by a senior devil to a junior devil, counseling this junior devil as to how to corrupt this particular soul. And so just to kind of paraphrase, early on in the book, there's this really great passage where the senior devil, again, is talking to this junior devil. And basically what he says is that you want to make sure that your subject, again, this, this person you're trying to corrupt, lives perpetually in the space of the someday maybe. Like someday maybe one day in the future I will love, for example, people in a third world country. And I think, if I remember correctly, what he says on top of that is, whatever you do, don't have this person realize that the demand of love corresponds to the present moment. And in particular to his annoying mother who is annoying him endlessly with her prattle at the kitchen table. And it's a really funny example, but also at the same time, obviously, a really instructive one. Because it reminds us again that Christian love is meant to be specific and concrete as opposed to simply theoretical. And more to the point, it reminds us that the duty of love is not something to be deferred. It's not something to be deferred to the space of the someday, maybe one day in the future, right? But instead corresponds always to the moments. How is God calling me to love Him and to love His people right now in the present moment? And to realize on top of that, if I'm not habitually attentive to that particular duty of the moment, then in a certain sense my efforts to love remain simply theoretical and therefore in a certain sense not real. Okay, now you probably noticed that for the majority of this reflection, I focus simply on articulating certain principles with regards to Christian love, as opposed to simply citing various concrete examples as to how you might love in specific circumstances. And the reason why is because of this last characteristic I want to cite with regards to the nature of Christian love. Name this idea that Christian love, by its very nature, is meant to be creative. So to illustrate the point, think about how faith is defined in the New Testament as opposed to how love is defined. And so when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, faith is defined in a very specific sort of way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So faith is this. Whereas in contrast, how is love defined? Well, think, for example, of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that reading which is read in the context of weddings year after year, right? So love is patient, love is kind, love is never boastful, or arrogant, or rude, and so on and so forth. And the whole idea here is that while faith is defined in a very specific sort of way, love, on the other hand, is reflected in the multitude, in diversity, in the creativity of the people of God, and indeed the mystical body of Christ. And you see, practically speaking, what this means is that the particular way in which God, who of course is the incarnation of love, wants to convey his love and his grace and his presence to the world through you is indeed unique and specific to you as an individual. And so therefore, the invitation extended to each one of us implicitly is to allow ourselves to be caught up in that, to be struck by that, to be in awe of that, and to therefore bring to the table our entire selves on a regular and habitual basis, all of our ingenuity, all of our creativity, all sort of undergirded by this fundamental question, how is God calling me to be a unique conduit of his grace to convey to the world, again, his love, his grace, and his self-ethic presence? And may God bless you all.